Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Doing well, thanks, Alex. Uh, good to be back and obviously uh, a lot happening in the in the club at the moment and obviously a huge FA Cup uh, fixture that we, we get to talk about today, which, um, you know, some ways brought about a, a mixed feeling. Sometimes with those cup games, you, you don't get too excited, although given the fact Everton are a Premier League club, there's a little bit more hype around this one, but with all of the smoke and mirrors and selling of the club and all the other events that are going on, it's just, uh, it seems like a really uh, busy and, and big time for the club at the moment. Yeah, it's been a, um, I was chatting to Dan last week about the busy festive period, which kind of ended up being a bit of a fizzer in the sense that we had a couple of games postponed, but uh, it seems to have ended with a bit of a bang with this FA Cup game um, against Everton. And as you say, I mean, it's always a bit of a buzz playing a Premier League side anyway. And, um, you know, it's sort of in two minds of it's a it's a it's a winnable tie in the sense that I mean, I guess Everton were in pretty poor form in the Premier League before the game, um, had a couple of injuries as well. I mean, we saw Calvert Lewin and a few others ruled out of this game as well. Um, and then of course, you know, you go and score after less than a minute as well. It really sets up some pretty high expectations for what can come in the game, which you know, um, you know, it's the hope that kills you, I guess. It's that sense that maybe we can actually go out and win this game and, and it wasn't to be. But, yeah, I'll, I'll get, I guess I'll get your thoughts, first of all, on the game overall, what you thought of, of how we played, um, whether the result was a fair one, uh, and, and just, yeah, your overall thoughts. Yeah, look, the, the very first thing that is kind of, I know you asked specifically about the game, but just from a, from a fan's perspective, to see the amount of people back at the KCOM and just how the good is it? Yeah. I was just, uh, I mean, I saw a few, a uh, few pictures that people had uh, posted on Twitter and, uh, you know, people lining up on the, on the bridge and, and being stuck in a queue to, to kind of get back into the ground. And I know that that's something we haven't seen for, for quite some time. So uh, with everything else, aside from the actual game itself, uh, just to, to see that and the, I guess the warming pitches to come through, um, it's it's a real it's a real turning point and um, and just a really optimistic uh, you know feeling that exists in the club at the moment and to see fans you know getting excited about returning to football at the ground again um, you know I think that in itself was uh, was probably the most motivating aspect and and then the fact that the the players were able to put in the performance that they did uh, really just topped it off. Uh, the game specifically, um, as you said, it was the, the hope that kills you when you when you score forty five seconds into a into a cup tie against the Premier League club um, on your home home pitch, uh, it kind of reminds me of, of some of the the really warm memories that we've had in the Premier League. Uh, you know, beating Liverpool at the KCOM twice, and uh, just you know those I guess those dreamland moments. Although you know, granted, respectfully, it is only Everton um, in in comparison to some of the other clubs that that we have experienced some fantastic results against at the KCOM, but. The fact that, you know, we find ourselves t- towards the tail end of the championship and, and we're playing a, a, a very powerful club in, in the likes of Everton. So a great performance uh, to score twice against them, to really push them. And, uh, you know, we could have we could have still won that game in, in normal time. Uh, we came very close in um, in injury time and there's the fighting spirit, uh, you know, to, to get back into the game and then to almost take it. Uh, it's just a, a really good, a really good performance, and I know we'll, we'll talk about it. But the, but the Longman goal was just outstanding. I think um, you know a, a he's real making highlight. a habit of it. Yeah, it really is. But um, just to have a highlight like that from the game as well, and um, I think that the momentum that that, that goal specifically generated, um, it's just a 
there's just such a, a positive sign or there's some really positive signs around and, and seeing goals like that, uh, you know, really not only kind of speak to the performance, but it, it really does help lift the spirits of, of all the fans who did go, you know, make their way to the ground and, and see that goal live um, and, and see us push Everton the whole way. I think that only only speaks uh, in a promising manner to, to what lies ahead in the, the immediate future for the club. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you touched on the crowd there and I was, I was having a think about it. I, I feel like the biggest two crowds that we've had since relegation from the Premier League have come in the FA Cup because we had that, I want to say maybe 22,000 against Chelsea a couple of seasons ago, which was ironically, I mean, you know, it was it was almost a false dawn because it was, you know, we're sitting a point outside the playoffs, um, Bowen and Grzycki at the peak of their powers, almost a sellout against Chelsea in the FA Cup. Um, I think we lost 2-1 in that game and you think, how good's this? We're really kind of going to kick on from here. And it was almost literally the next day that Bowen and Grzycki were sold. And you feel like with this one, it's a, it's, 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 it's actually a promising dawn of a, of a new era because um, of course we had a Jordan Elakali in the, in the crowd um, who, who I think there was an interview that he did with the Hull Daily Mail that was um, released overnight saying how impressed he was with the side, how impressed he was with the players, how, how, like how passionate they're playing with. And as you say, I mean, we're sitting, just outside the relegation zone in the championship. And I'm sure a lot of people would have watched this game and thought, how is this side in any danger in the championship, given the way that they've played in this game? Um, as you say, I mean, it is only evident, so to speak, but they're, they're a club that spent a lot of money over the last few seasons on their squad. Granted, this season they weren't able to spend as much with um, financial fair play. And ironically, it was um, Damari Gray, who was one of their cheaper signings, who was the first to score in this one. But... Um, they've got a you know Premier League qual- quality all through that side, so um, it was a hugely impressive effort from the side to to get as close as they did. Um, and I like to think it's almost perfect because I, I would say that Lewis Potter and Greaves, whilst they had good games, weren't the sort of standout players that they they have been on other days. So you think everyone's watching this game, and they they maybe didn't take as much notice of those players, so we can sort of keep them in our back pocket. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's always a a, a worry when you're. You know, on, on national television and uh, all eyes are, are on that particular fixture. And, yeah, we, we know what both of those players are capable of and we're assuming that they come with quite a price tag. Hopefully, you know, they, they aren't sold and they are a part of the, the immediate future and maybe long-term future of the club. But, yeah, you're exactly right. If there was ever a night uh, where we could compete and yet not uh, reveal the the real strength of, of our side week in, week out, it was, uh, it was quite nice for those two to to be somewhat quieter than than normal and reach the heights that, that we know they are capable of. That's right. And and it was a pretty full strength side that we put out. I think it was just Elder out from the previous game for um uh well I guess it was Elder out for Smith really or or I guess you'd say Randall Williams coming in as well. And I think the other out was Longman, of course. So he he started on the bench. Um pretty full strength side and um, we'll talk a little bit later on about uh, Josh Magenis's future at the club, but we, of course, saw Tom Eves starting again up top. Um, uh, actually, he might have been an in as well. I can't, I can't quite remember. But, he, it, it, you know, if every game that we played was a third-round FA Cup game, Tom Eves would be, you know, up there with Messi and Ronaldo, I would say. I mean, he, he's just put in another up there with his game against, uh, was it Rotherham, I think, in the FA Cup third round a couple of years ago. Um, just another terrific display, and it was just his his touch, his passing, everything about his game. It wasn't it wasn't any particular aspect. It was just he was just on. He he was up for it. I I, I think it's, it's fair to say that I don't remember a time, uh, certainly in in the period that, that we've been supporting the club, that there's been 
a cult hero that could be more polarizing. Uh, just some of the comments that you read about Tom Eves and, you know, labeled as a donkey and how he's not, not cut out trying to be a footballer, but as well to just be so loved by, by the majority of the city fans. It's, it's an incredible paradox. <laughs> it's great to watch. Uh, and but, he reminds me a lot of Andy Carroll. I think so. I think one of the commentators made that comment. And it's it's that sort of player where he's that tall, lanky player who just throws himself around who can have really clumsy off days or really mercurial, majestic days. And you just always have the that feeling with him as well, that there's just so much fight in him. He really wants to, to be at the club. He really wants to be a part of it, despite what you know some of the critics have, have, have been pretty outspoken in voicing their opinion on him. So, I mean, fair play to him. He's got a, a huge level of resilience. And as you said, he's, he's chalk and cheese and um, rocks and diamonds uh, is probably a better way to describe what you get with Tom Eves um, on a, you know, on That's any a given But what a um you know what an effort from him again and it's just uh the hunger i think that's the probably what uh you know the city fans are are resonating with at the moment and excited to to watch tom eves play uh even though as we said he's certainly not the most uh naturally gifted footballer that's that's ever graced uh you know the city ranks that's right yeah and, and i guess the other big player to talk about from this game was um honeymoon and, and i guess in talking about honeymoon we can talk about that first goal brilliantly whipped in free kick for um for smith to get on the end of it Short, short player up forward getting on the end of that free kick and getting a, almost a free header into the goal was a brilliant way to start the game. But Honeyman, again, just a tremendous game from him. I think there was a passage late on where he lost. He, he put in a pretty poor free kick and then was the first one on his bike back to the defensive half to, to clear the clear the ball out of play and stop an Everton attack. So just, you know, from, from zero to 90, he was just putting in all the effort. Yeah, and, and I guess, that, that, again, that's another thing that we've we've come to expect with George Honeyman. And I think that's probably why he's, you know, endeared himself to the City fans because he's he's such an honest performer. Uh, and, and week in, week out, he, there's not a blade of grass that he doesn't cover on the pitch. And uh, it's, you know, while ever he's there for the 90-plus the minutes, you know the type of performance you'll get from him. And I think that as a, as a working-class, you know, club, as, as, as we certainly are, uh, it's it's definitely the the type of guile and, and resilience that we need, and he you know uh, he typifies exactly what's required from um, you know from a from a city player, but certainly uh, a captain as well to to lead uh, the club that in in the way that he does. Uh, he's just he's a joy to watch, and as a, yeah. as I mentioned before, a, a very exciting uh, player to watch when he scores a goal. I think there's there's not a more excited man than uh, than George Honeyman when he nets one. That's right. I mean, Tyler Smith did did, did make a, a good case for that. He was very, he, you know, what a way to get off the mark as a City player to get his first goal for the club in the FA Cup first minute of the game uh, was terrific for him. And, and you have to wonder as well what it was like, uh, you know, for the players, given the fact that for you know, the best part of, uh, I want to say, three years or three seasons almost, uh, they've, they've been playing in, in front of, you know, next to nobody. Mm. And, and to, have a, to have a KCOM that was, you know, essentially full, um, and uh, to have the electric atmosphere that was was certainly visible for us on the on the TV, uh, you know, cameras, I uh, just wonder what that did for uh, you know for them um, and, and what it's kind of done to spike their motivation levels. Um, and and to score in front of a of a, a stadium that you're used to playing in, uh, and and to have the reaction and the response that that he got, I think it you know can only speak uh, volumes to, to Tyler Smith and what it's probably done for his confidence. Yeah, um, I don't know if you saw there was a video someone put up, which I think must have been produced by the backroom staff, 
um, showing the players walking out onto the onto the ground at the start of the game with the fireworks. Well, not the fireworks, but the flames going off, the the light show going on. It looked it looked brilliant. And as you say, for these players, I mean, we've heard it before in player interviews when they've joined the club of saying, "Oh, I you know wanted to join City because they're a big club." And we are, you know, especially obviously in League One and, and now in the Championship, we are a reasonably big club, and, and we've got a great state of the art stadium compared to a lot of the other grounds. Um, and it's nights like that that you really feel it. You feel like the light show, the the, fl- the flame work, the pyrotechnics, everything were just brilliant. And then to score after a minute would have just had the crowd on absolute, you know, ten hooks at, at, at the way the game was going. Um, so I can only imagine for the players, as you say, for the better part of three years, haven't been able to play in, in big crowds. And I think Ajun was saying in the interview as well that this shows what what the possibilities are for the club. And it's about attracting those people back to go week in, week out during the season. And uh, we've talked about it previously as well, Alex, in the sense that when, you know, when uh, unfortunately COVID hit, there was the, the games where there was obviously no crowds for a long time. In, in so many ways, it probably played into our hands because every stadium was empty as opposed to going to these places where, you know, we'd be forced to, to travel to, you know, almost full house, 30,000 mm-hmm. capacity stadiums. And then for you know, fans to come and visit the KCOM, which is, uh, you know, essentially 20 plus thousand and you've got, you know, six or 7,000 there. It's a, it's a very different atmosphere and certainly not a an away ground to be feared. So, uh, you know, yeah, as you mentioned, the possibilities that uh, that can come from from this takeover bid and, and the change in atmosphere, if we are able to get, uh, you know, the, the city fans and the, the pre-alum, well, pre-alums, the stay away fans back in into to seats, um, you know what? What will that actually do for the for the playing group at the moment? Who will be for many of them, as we've talked about with the with the changeover in our in our playing roster, recently going down the divisions and coming back up to to play in, in front of a stadium that's almost full again. I think it would be a remarkable uh, a remarkable feeling. Definitely. Um, well, with the other goals in the game, is also evident. Evident then took the lead two one uh, goals through Damari Gray and also Andre Gomez. Um, that second goal, did you? How, how did you view that? Because I mean, for me, for me, it seemed as it, it seemed definitely um, a, f- a mistake from um, Bernard. Um, his positioning was a bit strange, and then the way he attacked the ball as well, it was like he, he kind of led with his hip, which I thought was a bit odd. Just go for that, you know, go for a header clear. Um, mm. But the other defenders as well just seemed sort of out of position for it. It seemed quite an easy goal for Everton to score. Yeah, it did. I was. I think it was one of those ones where you get caught in two minds, and I think that mm. was probably. The biggest thing for Bernardo was more of a decision-making thing, um, where he's he was neither here nor there. And I think that yeah, as you said, I want to watch the replay. It certainly seemed a little bit too easy, uh, you know, which is disappointing given the start that we had. Um, but yeah, look, I think if he if he had his time over again, he probably would have you know made made a, a far more uh, I guess astute commitment to it. But yeah, look. That's, it was it was done, and I think the the most impressive part was to to get back into the into yeah, the game. That's right. Yeah, I was just going to say. I mean, it seemed that sort of game where you know we scored early, held out for a while, and then fell behind. And you think, oh well, you know, we've we've given a good good account of ourselves. Um, but then Longman pops up with the equaliser, uh, not that long before before the end of the game, I think, um, with a brilliant curled goal, um, sort of following up his effort from a few weeks ago. He certainly seems to like those goals, and. Um, I I sort of hope, having had Ajun there in the crowd, that he's he's looking at uh, Longman and saying, let's get him in on a permanent deal because it would be brilliant to be able to make that a permanent signing and um, and get him here f- uh, full-time. 
Absolutely. And I think that, you know, as, as we mentioned before, with the so much of a, the hype, I guess, that entering the championship did come around our, our front three last season because we know, you know, we saw what they were able to do at League One level. And I know that, again, you've got, I'm looking at the the footnotes and I know that we'll be talking about Magenis shortly, but, um, you know, it was, it was so much about Wilkes and, and Kane Lewis-Potter. And we know that Wilkes probably hasn't really got going this season. We know that Kane Lewis-Potter is certainly at championship level and, um, you know, it will do well to, to keep him. But Longman probably for me is the one who's come in at those loan signings and really stood up um, and, and made a, a real case for, um, you know, for, a permanent, a permanent contract, and I, I certainly have seen enough to to hope, uh, as you said, that uh, you know that he's on the radar and and that something can be done because he he does look like quite a player. Um, and then one of the other loan signings, um, Baxter. I, mm. there, there's a bit of debate about this. I I personally didn't see it as much as his fault for the for the winner from Townsend. I mean, maybe that's just me saying Townsend seems to score a lot of these sorts of long range screaming go- screamer goals. Um, and, and I'm still not convinced that on that replay, I can't see a deflection off Tom Huddleston's back that sort of swerves the ball off the boot. Um, and because Baxter sort of gets wrong footed on it and 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 doesn't make as much of a, a save as he could have. How, how did you see it? Was it sort of was it sort of the ball ball movement through the air, or should Baxter have been better positioned? I think it was the ball movement through the air. I just don't know if there was enough of it. I think um you know I, I think Baxter probably should have done better. Um, if if I'm perfectly honest with you, but. Uh, with that being said, it's it's very difficult uh, to you know f- from from this side of the equation to watch it in front of a a full house at the at the KCOM. I mean, Baxter's been brilliant for us for you know for the for the last couple of months, and I think he certainly warranted that spot uh, you know ahead of Ingram. Uh, and just it's one of those ones that you can probably make a case either way. So I'm I'm being critical, but I'm being only just critical. I'm on the I'm on the fence. It's probably a, a 55-45 split. Um okay. you know, and, and at the end of the day, um I think in context, uh if it was one of the you know pivotal games responding whether we, we stay up in the division or we make the playoffs or something like that, I'd probably be more critical. The fact that it's a third round FA Cup tie against the Premier League club, I'm more content to let it slide. Um, but probably could have done better. Fair enough. Um, and then I guess the other player to give a shout out to as well was Tommy Huddleston coming off the bench in this one to remind us of the quality that he has. And um, it's 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 funny. It's one of those occasions where he's playing against Premier League opposition and he can just rise to that standard and, and was probably the standout player on the pitch for both sides, really, once he came on, um, just reminding us what he's got in his locker. Yeah, and just uh, I think it was the it might have been in the build up to the Longman goal where he actually got a foot in and, and won that won the ball that kind of changed the the momentum of the attack. It looked like we were going to be caught on the counter, and then he kind of you know dawdled in as he does with his his long limbs, and then got to the ball and then kind of started. So, look as you mentioned, we, we know Tom Huddleston's got class, and that was that was never a question when even when we speculated whether him being signed was a good move or not. Um, you know, for for this particular playing group, but as you mentioned, we we know the capabilities of him. But it was always a case of can he get fit? Is he able to to get himself onto the pitch? You know, frequently and have the the type of influence in the dressing room that that we hope he can. And so, when you see you know evidence of of the evident performance, then you know there's definitely elements there that we we know that there's still a player in there and there's still a, a huge role for Tom Huddleston. Uh, it would be fantastic if he could stay fit and get as many uh, minutes out of him uh, for the run in 
I think that's the that's certainly going to be the guy. I think we can't really make a comment on Tom Huddleston until this season's over. I yeah, mean, that's right. Looking at him at a collective, you know, amount of games, I think that there's always going to be the windows and the the opportunities as what we uh, you know we're privy to on the weekend. But let's uh, let's have a, a revisit of Tom Huddleston maybe at the end of the season and, and give his report card and see was was Huddleston the right signing at the time? Um, uh, yeah, four marks. For, for for me, it's 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 definitely a case of. Huddleston versus Davies. I mean, we sort of talked end of last season about the need to get an experienced centre half in, and and Davies was almost saying, "Come and get me." And I look at the performances he's been in this season for Derby, and I think it's it's a hard call to make to say that Huddleston's performed better. But as you say, there's still a lot of the season to go. Yeah. Um, the other one, just very finally before we move on from the game itself, uh, Tom Eves making that shot right at the end of the game that Begovic saved. Um, we've already sort of talked about Eves's performance, but you just think like that was that was the moment that could have got us to penalties, really. Um, but what would, would you say on reflection, probably a fair result in the end, even with those big chances that we had to equalise? Oh, look, uh, I, I definitely think that you, you can't have that, but the, the draw would have been probably the best result given how the game played out. But as you mentioned, how that ball was kept out yeah. is, is on me. He, Tom Eves really did. <laughs> he, he hit that ball from close range. It was a fantastic save. And it just would have been the icing on the cake for for our man, the, for our man Tom Eves to get that goal would have just been outstanding. But it wasn't to be. Um, look, I, I think it's probably about right. I would have preferred the draw or, you know, better yet. But the, the three, the three points, the, the ticket through to the next round. But, Ultimately, it probably was uh, about right. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, we'll, we'll move on then. We'll do. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about off-field news. Um, like we said last week, we're sort of holding off on the takeover discussion too much because we're hoping that once the takeover goes through, we'll be able to do a special episode discussing all of the details of that at that point. Um, I sort of already alluded to, we had that interview with Ajun come out overnight, promising surprises for the supporters, things like that. I... I sort of, I, I don't quite know what to make of that. I suspect it's probably just, you know, incentives to get supporters back into the ground, signings, all that sort of thing as well. But um, I guess the first sort of tangible or credible transfer news that we do have so far this window is Magenis's impending departure to Wigan on, I think, a two and a half year deal. Um, I suspect there'll be some sort of nominal fee, maybe around 100,000, 200,000 pounds at a complete guess. Um but you know he he's been he's been a fantastic player for City. I think he he hasn't had the goal scoring record he would have liked or we would have liked at the Championship level. But he led the line very well in the in the League One last season and has been a great leader around the club. Absolutely, and I, I think that as I reflect on on his time, uh, you know, as a City player, I, he really surprised me with what he was able to accomplish last season. Uh, you know, with with all due respect, I think League One is certainly his his level. I think that he really really dominates League One. I think that the type of, of player he is, he, he probably doesn't have the best touch at, at many times, and particularly when he's not confident. I, I, there were so many moments where he gave the ball up really easily um, in the early day, days of his City career, which kind of made me think that he wasn't much of a player. I think when he went down to League One, he was really able to demonstrate those abilities that he has. Uh, he is a real physical presence. Um, when he is playing with confidence, he's a, he's a very difficult striker to play against. I, I imagine that, you know, you could interview many of the League One defenders last season that, that came up against him. There's a reason that he was, 
he's so prolific and able to influence the games in the way that he does. Um, you know, he's very promising from the penalty spot too. I think he's got a really good record at taking uh, penalties. And he, he, by all accounts, is a is a very well-respected leader as well. I know that McCann rated him very highly in the city dressing room. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a massive loss in the in the sense that uh, we don't have the, the personnel that are able to cover a player of, of Magenis's traits. However, um, I, I'd certainly think that, you know, he can be an asset elsewhere and we do wish him well. Absolutely. Wish him very well um, at Wigan. Uh, okay, then we'll move on to our triple flashback feature. And this is actually quite a tough one. Um, I've, I've sort of picked this one because we have just had an FA Cup fixture that did very nearly go to penalties. Um, yeah. But I, I'm i not going to hold it against you if you struggle to name any of these sides. I can give you some hints along the way. Um, maybe I can give you, uh, well, I'll, I might give you the competitions first of all and see if that triggers anything. And then maybe the years that they occurred in, if that helps as well. But the question is, can you name the last three penalty shootouts that we have won? So to help, we did have a penalty shootout this season, but we lost it. So this is the last three penalty shootouts that we won. Okay. I remember, I hope this isn't a false memory, I definitely remember beating Lee in a cup tie, and I think that may have been a penalty shootout as well. Um, that's that's the only one that's standing out. Now, I also remember... Um, I feel like there's a Leicester in there as well. Or maybe, uh, or is it a green team? Look, the only one I can, that I can, I'm pretty sure or pretty confident on is there's a Leeds penalty shootout that we won. And then I, I seem to remember, I think there's going to be a big Premier League club in, in one of these as well, or a big Earth. Maybe it was a championship team when we're in League One as well. I uh, feel like there's, there's someone who we surprised in a penalty shootout. And then I think there's a really average team that we went to penalties with that we – I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but I I remember being surprised that we were that we were for, taken to penalties by them and we did win, but it was really unconvincing. So, so, so they – sorry? <laughs> that's all I can give you. You can give me a hint. No, that was – that, that was very good. So, so Leeds was one of them. That was correct. That yeah. was that was the one that went to like I don't know fifteen all or something. I yeah, think where the keepers really were taking them. Yeah. Um, they they were actually all three. They're from last season. One of them's in the EFL Trophy, which I I don't blame you at all for forgetting. That one was against Crew Alexandra. Um, I don't think you were going to get that one. The other one was from the first round of the League Cup last season. Do you have any sense of who we might have played in that one? Um... So they were they were they were also a League One side. But they're they're a pretty big league one side. Mm. No, it's it escapes me. Sunderland. Yeah. So so Sunderland. Sunderland on like the first day of last season. Um, okay. Because we had the, I think I think it was a penalty shootout win against Sunderland, then penalty shootout win against Leeds, and then lost to West Ham in the uh, in the League Cup. Um, but yeah, so all three from last season. Um, and for a while there, we had a pretty good penalty record, and then uh, lost it this season. Uh, but there uh, you go. I don't know why I feel like we've been in a penalty shootout with Leicester recently. When I say recently. Yeah, no, you said you did say that, and I, I was thinking about that because it, it does ring a bell for me as well. I feel like that was League Cup as well. It wasn't too and, long and ago. I, the other thing that's perplexed me is what year that would have been. But yeah. it might be nice when we get off air to, to go through the archives and try, yeah. and try and work out what this memory is that we're thinking of. That, no, that's right, for sure. Okay, well, let's round things off then with a the preview. We've got Stoke City this weekend. Uh, second meeting of the season, uh, Michael O'Neill still in charge there. Um, they've had a pretty poor run of things lately. They've had a lot of injuries taking out their personnel. 
Um, as we would well know with Harry Suda out for the season with that ACL, unfortunately, for Australia. Um, they did win the first game 2-0 back in September. That was that was just in our awful run of form. I think I remember this game. It was just that sort of typical City looked good for 30 or 40 minutes of the game, looked like we could get something out of it, and then all of a sudden in the blink of an eye they scored. Franchich got that goal where he sort of just weaved through the defence, and then I think Powell got the counter after we might have had I think we'd had, we had a penalty shout or something like that, as we seem to, um, and yeah. he just went down the other end and scored. Um, but, yeah, they've only got one win in their last five games, so certainly a gettable fixture, this one. Um, how do you see it? Yeah, as you mentioned, I, I remember this game quite well, actually, um, and the was always going to be the case that, that Powell was going to score against this. Um, but I, I actually, we've talked, I, I feel like I say that a lot, we've talked about this before, but it's it's certainly one of the things where I actually have a very different feeling in when I watch City now as opposed to this period at the start of the season that you're talking about. We just look far more organised uh, defensively. We look like we control the ball a lot better through the midfield and we're not just getting into the final third with, you know, with a sense of hope. I feel like when we get there, there's a lot more purpose. And because of the confidence and because of the, you know, the recent run of form, uh, granted, you know, we've still had a, a couple of losses in the in the recent weeks. The fact that we have been able to, you know, show a different resilience about our play and the fact that, you know, you talk about Stoke who are, you know, somewhat on a slide respectively compared to, to how they were flying earlier on in the season. I think this is a huge opportunity for us. And, you know, if you if you look down the table, uh, you know, even though we are reasonably safe, it's it's amazing how quickly you can get pulled back into um, you know into the dogfight. And uh, you know, on evidence of the evident fixture, we are certainly now too strong of a team to to be languishing at the the foot of the championship table. I think the next couple of weeks are really crucial for us in making sure that we put ourselves in a position, particularly if we are you know the sale goes through. And there are going to be some new bodies come in and a few hopefully promising signings um, and, and a, a signal of intent from the new owner. If that's going to be the case, we want to really, you know, build some momentum now and, and catapult yeah. ourselves into the, the start of this year um, with a, a real spring in our step. And so even though you could probably go, oh, you know, until the sale goes through, oh, we'll see what happens then. I think this fixture is a really important line in the sand moment for us. If we take three points against the, you know, a, a very respected championship club in Stoke. Uh, I think it will it will set a really good foundation for uh, what's around the corner. I, I really back it here. I'm confident. And I think I think we'll get three points. Yeah, no, that's I I completely agree. I think we'll get the three points in this one as well. And I think you're completely right in the sense that yes, we had those four wins in a row to sort of pull us out of the relegation zone and pull clear to an extent. And we we were at a point where we went one 0 up against Forest, and we were looking at oh, how close does this get us to the you know, top half or top six or whatever. And now after a few bad results, it's actually a case of, well, we've actually got to look back over our shoulders and 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 not kind of get too ahead of ourselves. We need to get a few more wins on the board, pull clear again of that relegation zone. And especially as you say, if, if we're going to get a few new players coming in or trying to attract new players, you want those players to be able to look at the club and with certainty know that they're joining a championship club or at least a club that's very well placed to survive. Um, you don't want to be sitting in the relegation zone trying to attract decent quality players who'll be saying, well, why would I join eventually in League One next season? So um, I think that's certainly an important um, step to take over the next few games. Um, I guess from a personnel point of view, we sort of just talked about 
the ability that we saw from Tom Huddleston off the bench against Everton, do you, and also talking about his uh, potential fitness issues. So do you see him as a good option just to continue to use off the bench or do you think that display against Everton puts him in the, um, in the window for a start against Stoke? Well, firstly, I think he's definitely in the window for a start against Stoke. I think that he's probably in the window for a start against any team if you if you know that he's fit and that you know if Grant McCann's looking through his team lineup each week, going, all right, who's who's the squad that I'm going to name? If if he sees that Tom Huddleston's fit, then you know it's a, it's always uh, a very strong possibility that he's going to he's going to find his way. I think you know that's probably something that Grant McCann would be far more qualified to to answer given his thinking at the moment having seen how Tom Huddleston pulled up at Everton. And, and also, I guess, what the longer-term plan is for Tom Huddleston. You know, when they signed him, was there an understanding that he was just going to be playing a, a bench role or were they were going to be sparing with how they used him, you know, more so for cup ties to, you know, be in the background to help, you know, with the, I guess, the running of the club, coaching, you know, just being a, a body yeah. with experience. Like, was, was that his role? I think that probably may also have a some kind of factoring in. But, look, I'd love to see Tom Huddleston start this game, uh, but it will also depend on the tactics. You know, what what do we expect from Stoke and, and how are we going to play them? I think Tom Huddleston is a very uh, unique set of skills. Uh, you know, we know that we've spoken about his passing with both feet and he can, you know, pretty much put the ball anywhere on the pitch that he wants and particularly his long passing. We also know that, you know, he can be an effective defender for us who is sitting in the hole. So, how they choose to approach that tactically, I think, will ultimately depend on whether Tom Huddleston is, is chosen to start or come off the bench. But I, I, certainly, if he's fit, there'll be a role for him um, in the in the 90 minutes. I'd be surprised if, if that weren't the case. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and then one player we didn't really talk about with the Everton game was uh, Randall Williams, who got a start. It looked quite good for that first half. He sort of tailed off a little bit. Um, uh, probably hasn't got the fitness in his legs from from players having regular starts. Um, another one that's probably put his hand up for a start in this game, particularly with Magenis leaving, Wilkes now injured for eight weeks, which we haven't really touched on, um, probably suggests that we'll have something like Eves and Smith up top or, or Logman in a forward position, which then opens the door for a Williams to get one of those wingback spots. Wouldn't it be special for Tom Eves to find himself with a, a championship start given the the effort that he's been putting in lately. I think he's been knocking on the door for, for quite some time. I, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see McCann go that way. Um, uh, with uh, Eves and, and Smith up front, that could be a, a very interesting uh, new look outfit in the way that, that City line up. But wouldn't be surprised to see it given uh, you know what we're what we've been watching in recent weeks. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, uh, yeah, I think I think we're both backing the win in this one, uh, which would be great to see. Um, we've got Blackburn next Thursday, so what we'll do is we'll preview that one on next Wednesday's podcast. But until next time, hopefully seeing you quite soon for a takeover special if that all goes through, fingers crossed. But until next time, thanks for joining me for this one, Logan. My pleasure, Alex. Great to be here. No worries. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook group, or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber Black.
There's no turning back cause you're out.